let's do this. This is Rico again. And this is Brendan over here, and we are now officially starting this week's <laughs> podcast. It's yeah. a special edition of the Dinner Party Download. And as some of you may know, we are an audio culture magazine designed to help you win your dinner party. That's right. And this week, we are departing from the usual menu in which we, you know, cover the latest in arts and in food. To bring you something a little different, we are going to play you the highlights of a live show we recently recorded at the Now Hear This Podcast Festival, which was held in Anaheim, California a few weeks back. And there were tons of people doing their shows there. Uh, there was us, Kelly McEvers from NPR's Embedded Podcast, and of course, Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast. Yes, Comedy Bang Bang and lots of other people. All these podcasts. And you know, that word podcast, it still yeah. seems like such a puny word. For what all these people are doing, like but it, it seems like we're kind of stuck with it now. Yeah, we've been trying to get people to call it ear champagne. No takers, strangely, mm. they won't do it. That's funny. I clean my ears with ear champagne. Maybe that's why it's just um, too normal for them. My ears are always in celebration mode. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's too late to change the name because podcasts have become so hip and popular. Right. I mean, I read the other day true crime shows like Serial and Criminal mm -hmm. are so big now that uh -huh. people are committing unsolved crimes <laughs> just to get a podcast. That's frightening. Where is it, when is this going to end? That's terrible for society. But mm. look, people, it hasn't always been this way. And actually, before we get to the live show, we recently stumbled across something very special that we are excited to share. It is America's first podcast episode. This is absolutely true because we're saying it's true. Yeah. Uh, it was found in the basement of a home in Arlington, Virginia. That's a fact. Encoded decades ago with super primitive technology. To play it back, we had to use fire. Uh, what else? A raptor bone was needed. And an iPhone 3. Ooh, that was hard to find. Yeah, that was tricky. But, but we did it. Uh, and now today, <laughs> for your ears, we're going to unveil it for the first time ever. So let's all take a listen. Because Ulysses, he can win a war, but he can't show up to the studio on time. Wait, we recorded. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Lincoln and Grant in the carriage house. Just two white guys in a garage talking about matters of the day. I'm Abe Lincoln. And I'm Ulysses S. Grant. Way to arrive with alacrity, bro. Today, we'll be talking about beards and craft whiskey. Those are hip and new. Plus, we'll do our weekly hotteth or notteth contest. This week's contestant, Robert E. Lee. Notteth. Notteth indeed. But first, ladies and gentlemen, this show would not be possible without our sponsor, Shingle Space. An easy way to create a sign for your business. Shingle Space provides you with a piece of chalk and a shingle. Hmm. You'll have a fantastic sign in minutes. And when you walk into Shingle Space, be sure to use the promo code Eminent Domain for a 100% discount. Quite a deal. It is. Also brought to you by Blue Apron, formerly Gray Apron, and by a male chimp. Really? Yes. How that hairy beast advertises on our show, I do not know. It's remarkable. All right. Well, Ulysses, was it just me or was traffic awful today? It wasn't you. And then ever since I fired our intern, I've had to set up this recording apparatus. Wait, you fired our unpaid intern, John Wilkes? I did. Did he sit on your hat again? Ulysses, sometimes you need to look a man in the eye and tell him in no uncertain terms that he's a loser and no one will ever even know who he was. Makes good sense. Oop, what's this? Oh, I'm getting a Morse code from my boo. Come on, dude, turn that thing up. We're recording right now. She requires me to pick up a Jeroboam of pig lard. I must away. Oh, Christ, fine, wrap it up. Right, that's our show. Brought to you today by Fox Searchlight Theatrical Productions, presenting the fine new play, Our American Cousin. Ooh, sounds good. I want to see that. Mm. There you go. 
<laughs> Weirdly, there was no second episode That's right. of The Carriage House. But folks, <laughs> on this episode of the Dinner Party Download, you're going to hear how far the podcast has come. Uh, in Anaheim, we spoke to two stars of the industry, Demia Dejawibe, co-host of The Gilmore Guys, mm. also the creator and host of the podcast Found, Davey Rothbard. He's the best. Plus, the very funny and very smart author and TV host Annabelle Gerwich joined us. All of that is coming up, but of course, first, as at any dinner party, we started with small talk. So this is the part of the show where we have a news hound share their favorite under-the-radar story. Uh, and for that, we welcome to the stage one of the most delightful bomb throwers in Southern California journalism, Gustavo Ariano. That is right. He's the publisher and the editor of the OC Weekly. He is writer of the nationally syndicated column Ask a Mexican. He is the author of the book Taco USA, How Mexican Food Conquered America. Brendan interviewed him about that a while ago. Mm -hmm. And I brought him to the stage by saying this. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Gustavo Ariano. Yes. It is great to see you again. No, Um, gracias for having me. So we want to have hear your small talk story in a second, but we've had you on a couple of times to do main course stories because yeah. you like to write about food. Um, and we recently saw a column of yours we wanted to ask you about. The column's title was Dear Hipsters, It's Okay to Sell Mexican Food, Just Don't Be Columbusing Dicks About It. Yes. yes. Um, so first of all, set that up for us. Well, there's the... the the thing that's set up immediately was in Dallas, there's a huge controversy over some hipsters in the Oak Cliff neighborhood of Dallas, which historically African-American, Latino, now gentrified like crazy. They're selling corn, corn from carts in Spanish, elote. So they did this whole um, Instagram post saying, yeah, you know, we do the real deal, not like those roaching ass carts all over the place in Dallas. Huge, huge controversy, but what struck me was that some people were saying that it's fundamentally wrong for white people to cook Mexican food. Right. And I don't think that's a problem at all. I think, hey, white people, you're, white people are nice. They could cook food. Sure, good for them. <laughs> Thanks. But why not? Especially our food. But the problem becomes when you start seeing these people saying, not only are we going to cook your ethnic cuisine, but we're going to do it better than you. And this mm. whole year has been like the year of Columbusing, really. Earlier, you had Bon Appetit. They, that, they had a video saying it was a, a white chef from Philly mm-hmm. with, a, with a headline saying, we're going to show you how to, how to cook pho, the Vietnamese soup, the right way. <laughs> are you to tell me that a white guy from Philly knows more than the people here in Little Saigon in Orange County? Yeah, right. And so I just wanted to make that point. Like, look, white folks, like, you can cook our food. You can cook yeah. our food. Just don't be Columbusing dicks about yeah. it. So I, like, I like how you said pho. They can cook it in Orange County, but uh, not exactly. Vietnam. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah, yeah, Vietnam. Orange County is the what home they of know? pho. I mean, yeah. pho is only relatively recent. only goes That's back right. to the 1800s. <laughs> or another way. So the, the example that I had uh, in my story was I was talking to someone and they, they wanted to sell paletas, Mexican popsicles. And they said, yeah, we're going to do paletas just like Mexicans do, but we're going to do it better. We're going to use organic fruit and we're going to use real fruit. This assumption that Mexicans don't use real Fake, fruit. They use plastic yeah, fruit. Yeah, we use plastic fruit yeah. or, you know, <laughs> we use uh, whatever. And I said, look, no. Uh, you are telling me that the people who sell uh, nieve y paletas don't use fruit? Like, let me bring you over to these places and you're going to see all these, you know, all this organic, fresh fruit. And not only that, you think you're all so cool with trying to make, oh, you know, we're going to do goat cheese and this. Well, you know, this paletero makes uh, blackberry and goat cheese, but he doesn't have an Instagram account saying that he invented this. (laughs) Sure. But give us an example of how we could do this without being Columbusing dicks. How how does one go about that? Oh, the best example, 
you want to let's take two famous white chefs when it comes to Mexican food. You have Rick Bayless, sure, and then Chicago. you have the two hot tamales, Mary Sue Milliken and Susan Fenneker. Mary Sue Milliken and Susan Fenneker from the start, Border Grill, legendary uh, restaurant awesome. in Santa Monica, just closed. Yeah. They were like, look, we're two white girls, we love Mexican food, and we're gonna cook it. Rick Bayless, on the other hand, you see him, he passes himself off as uh, white Jesus for us <laughs> dumb Mexicans. And, you know, I've had long-standing beef yes. with Rick. Me and yes, my good have. friend Bill Esparza, like, epic. There, there was another problem with Rick. Uh, he was saying that people have a problem with him because he's a white man cooking Mexican food. And my, the, the headline for that story was, the problem isn't Rick Bayless being a white man cooking Mexican food. It's that his, he's a thin-skinned diva. That <laughs> <laughs> he can't take it when you exactly. criticize him. No, the most legendary example of that, I once, uh, Jonathan Gold, the legendary food critic for the Los Angeles Times, he, did, uh, he was doing uh, a lecture for a, a group of journalists and he was talking about how Rick Bayless had just come to Los Angeles and he was, he was consulting on a new restaurant and Rick literally said, I was interested in opening up a restaurant in Southern California to show folks here what the true flavors of Mexican food are. And Jonathan- In Southern California. In Southern California. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan lightly challenged him on it. I wrote about it, published it on Sunday afternoon. I didn't think anyone would care. The very first comment, Rick Bayless himself. And not only that, he called Jonathan Gold a liar. No. You, 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 might as well, you might as well <laughs> yeah. throw elephant dung at the Virgen of Guadalupe if you're going to uh, desecrate someone of the, you know, that seniority. And yeah, sure. it went on for that. So Rick Bayless, total Columbuser. Two hot tamales, not Columbusers at all. Okay. All right. Take that. That's your takeaway for tonight. Why do we even need a small talk story from you? We, I would just love to give you <laughs> restaurants and you can tell us whether they're Columbusers or not. Yes. But you do have a small talk story for us. So what under the radar story are you going to be well, talking about this week? There's that story, what was it? The Daily Mail or one of those British uh, tabloids about how if when you go to an elevator, you know how you have to press the door open or door close that apparently they don't really work. It's a placebo. So wait, there was a study that says that these buttons aren't actually that they, operational. They, yeah, that they're not operational at all. But I do, I will believe, I'm a Mexican, so <laughs> we make a sport out of going to stop signs and just like clicking it as fast <laughs> as possible, like as much as possible. It, yeah. it does work, it does work. You, you, so you just don't buy this, I mean, I guess not. it's the British tabloids. So. It's the British tabloids, it's news of the world. Didn't they get closed for, you know, the Mur they're all Murdoch operations every, every, <laughs> anyway. We all know how truthful Murdoch operations are. So basically the story you brought us, you believe is a lie. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thank for you. That. <laughs> The OC Weekly's Gustavo Ariano. You should check out his column, Ask a Mexican. It is as funny and provocative as Gustavo was just there. Maybe more so. Uh, we ought to note, though, that after we taped that conversation, the New York Times and other papers did pick up that story about how door open buttons don't really work. So apparently it's true. They don't. They're placebos. Yes, it's really... I feel... Since I came back to New York City after having that discussion, yeah. I feel unempowered now when I go in the elevator. I know. Well, what really can you cut do? the legs out. <laughs> it's one of those things I felt like I had control over. Nope. Ah, sigh. Well, once again, as a citizen, you're trapped. Anyway, let's move on to more from our live show in Anaheim. Let's. And here's a little background first. In a couple of weeks, one of TV's most beloved recent dramas is getting a reboot on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And Rico and I have never watched an episode of it. That's right. The show is called Gilmore Girls. Many of you probably know it. And it ran on the WB network from 2000 to 2007. 
It we is were about, busy during those years, yeah, was, Rico and I. Uh, pursuing a writing career. It's about a mother-daughter <laughs> duo in a small Connecticut town. The reboot, consisting of four 90-minute episodes, is called Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, and it premieres on the 25th of this month. So, to educate us about the show and to attempt to get us non-viewers excited about it, mm. we enlisted the help of Demi Adijawibe. Right. He's currently a writer for NBC's sitcom The Good Place, which stars Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. But he's best known for being one half of the hit podcast Gilmore Guys. Get it? The show is called Gilmore Girls, oh, and they had a podcast what? called Gilmore Guys, <laughs> in which he, along with his co-host Kevin Porter, watches and discusses episodes of the Gilmore Girls, sometimes for hours at a time. He's a special sort of cat. After he joined us on stage, we asked him to tell us three reasons we should watch Gilmore Girls. It's so hard to only choose three, but if I do have to choose three, I think that the three things I love so much about this show, one... I think the town, the fictional town of Stars Hollow that it portrays is so vivid. You just want to follow it and fall in love with the town, even if you don't like the people. It just sort of feels like a place you want to go to, and it feels like something that you want to grab a hold of and learn more about. Is that, Why is that? Is that the coffee shop or something? I or think like, it's just <laughs> all the little, like, there's so many little details, so many, like, festivals and bright characters that are very, like, crazy people that just kind of make you go, like, oh, I wish these people were my friends. I wish this festival was happening in my town, and it's so small, so it just feels like one neighborhood. Mm, sure. But it's, Although, I, I will say, like, I've, I've sort of glancingly, like, I would be flipping through channels and I'd see that, yeah. and it would be like, that's not real. That's oh, it's not idea. real at all. Is, but that's but, why it's great. It simultaneously feels like a town that definitely doesn't exist and a town that, like, if you wandered small towns of America, you would see little things in. I was recently in Washington Depot in Connecticut, which is the town it was based off of. Mm. And even though it's not the same at all, you'll meet someone in the town and they will know people, like, they'll know the lawyer and the, all the cops in town. It's just this weird thing of people who don't have a reason to interact knowing everyone because the town's so small. Mm. And it's just kind of a weird feeling that... I think anyone who's ever lived in a big city is sort of missing in their lives, and so I see it portrayed on TV, and I'm just kind of like, that rules. I want to see more of that. <laughs> okay. So it's based on a real town, Washington Depot. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be mayor there, right? I like hope to <laughs> when the series is done, because i got nothing else to go to. All right. Okay. So, so what's, uh, give us uh, another reason. Another reason, and this... So I, myself, don't care for the big drama of Luke and Lorelai in the series, because I, I see them... And they going, are right. for... Who oh, are Luke? People? Okay, Luke... You act they, like they're normal... First of all, I have like the we real people. We all know Luke and Lorelai. <laughs> um, Lorelai Gilmore is the main character, the chief protagonist, and Luke Danes is the coffee shop owner who is her sort of... Uh, Lover throughout the series, and mm. they sort of play a will they won't they, a Sam and Diane thing throughout the series. Okay, and Cheers me, style, exactly. And me myself, I'm just kind of like I get the attraction, but I'm also just like I don't care about this. I'm here for the fun. But the way that they write this romance is so tantalizing. When it's not there, something feels off, and you're just like, wait, get them back together. I want to see them together. There's <laughs> but you something... like not liking it when they're yeah. Not together. I, <laughs> I take delight. In how much I'm just kind of like, now you're back together, do something else with the show. But when they're apart, I'm just like, but, but get back together. That's the right thing to do. Okay. All right. I don't know how to further explain my feelings on that. Okay, okay. so you failed with number two in yeah. convincing us. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. Speak for yourself, man. Number I was falling for this relationship. <laughs> number three is a very good one, though, so maybe that'll All right, All right do it. it. Number three is the character of Paris Geller who is possibly the best character in this show and one of the best characters depicted on TV. Paris Geller. Paris Geller. She is cruel. 
She mm. is psychotic. She is hyper-intelligent, very organized, and very shrewd and, like, cutting with the way that she talks to people. But she's also incredibly lovable and passionate. And everything she does, she does 1,000%. And wow. she is just such a great friend to Rory Gilmore, who is the other main character, and such just a great partner to everyone she's ever worked with. We have a clip of this character, is my yes. understanding. All right. All right, you want to set this up for us? What is it that we're about to watch? So near the end of season six, Rory Gilmore uh, is dating this guy, Logan, who is just the worst. I'll tell you that right now. But he is also the worst in that like, they break up at one point and he immediately sleeps with someone else. And so Mm-mm. when he comes back to Rory and is like, let me talk to her, Paris sort of interjects and goes, well, she does this when right. it comes to the door. Well, well, if it isn't New Haven's favorite whorehound. Is Rory here? Yes. Can I talk to her? No, you can talk to me. What do you want to talk about? Life, love, common symptoms of sexually transmitted diseases? Rory. Rashes, sores, insanity. Five minutes, please. You know, there's a few things I've always wanted to say to you, but out of respect for my friend Rory here, I've refrained. However, the circumstances seem to have changed. You don't know what you're talking about, Paris. I know you cheated on Rory. I did not cheat on Rory. Are you going to deny it? Are you serious? We were apart. Oh, please. We were. We were together. And why the hell am I arguing with you? I don't want you back. You, Logan Huntsberger, are nothing but a two-bit spoiled waste of a trust fund. You offer nothing to women or the world in general. If you were to disappear from the face of the earth tomorrow, the only person that would miss you is your Porsche dealer. You want to chime in here? No, I think Paris has got it covered. That's Paris at like a three. (laughs) And there's something so likable about that that even when she's being mean, she's doing it in a way that is so funny that you're just kind of like, will you be mean to me if if you were real? That's great. I love it. Like, roast me. So you want to live in a small town, have someone be mean to you, and witness failed romance. Yes. Sounds bleak. I want the full Gilmore experience. Demia Dijuibe, his podcast is called Gilmore Guys. He is also a writer for NBC's sitcom The Good Place, starring Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. And he also makes music and stuff, including he created this recent viral sensation, Steely Danzig. The best. In in which he mashes up the smooth, clean sounds of the band Steely Dan with the primal roar of punk metal singer Glenn Danzig. Mm. And I think we have to play you some of this right now. Tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my words. What they mean, what they say, mother. <laughs> mother. <laughs> the song is one of the only things that's made me smile recently. <laughs> the thing about it is that I love both of these songs, and it seems incredible how much better they are when put together. Also, I've played this for people who don't know who Danzig is. And I don't think they get how funny it is. Yeah, like, Danzig perfect. has a big black warlock and is like this very alpha, uh, dark metal guy. And yeah. then to hear him just crooning. But the thing <laughs> is, of course, he was influenced by people like Elvis Presley. So it mm. fits perfectly into a smooth rock song. Well done, Demi. Well done. All right. So we're now going to move from talking about fictional small town people who seem real to talking about real people who seem almost fictional. 
And we're going to do that by presenting to you our conversation with Mr. Davy Rothbart. He is probably best known for his wonderful pieces on This American Life and for his magazine, Found. The latter has been turned into a musical and most recently a hit podcast. I want a musical. We should get the Dinner Party Download musical. Brendan! Exclamation point. Or that would too. Would be your musical. Every morning in the shower. Between 8.30 to 9, Brendan, the music. So when Davey joined us on stage, we asked him about translating his zine from print to audio. So we've been doing Found Magazine for you know, 15 years, and about one, one issue a year. It's you know, just notes, letters, things that people have found on the ground, on the street, love letters, journal entries, to-do lists, real things written by real people. And, and I love the notes that we publish, and I always wonder, like, what if I could meet the real person that wrote that and find out what the real story is behind, like, what they're talking about. So doing the podcast, the idea was, like, let's track these people down. Let's explore the themes behind these stories, but also let's try to find the, the people themselves. Like, so, for example, the first episode, we, um, there's, a, there's a letter that somebody found, like, 15 years ago in Hollywood. It was a guy pitching himself to entertainment companies. He wanted to become the Asian Oprah. And, and, and he wanted to be, a, a, he says, a mega-famous TV talk show host, like, Oprah, and he points out, you know, reasonably that like there's no big yeah. Asian yeah. megastars, you know, talk show hosts, and he there's says I should that. be the guy. Yeah, yeah. and an so his name is Jet, and he obviously didn't become the Asian Oprah. But my question was like, well, where is he now? Like, yeah, what is he doing? So, what is he doing? Well, we we managed to track him down after um, a little bit of sleuthing. Uh, I don't know. Should I give it away? I'm, I can. There's ten other episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah you have yeah, to let's, give let's, it away. Let's share. All right, so <laughs> basically. He's like the Oprah of root canals in Chicago. He's a dentist who what does performs. That mean? He gives away root canals he, well, underneath the chair. You, you have a root canal. You have a root canal. He, 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 he performs root canals for indigent people who would not be able to get dental work otherwise. Like he does it at like a super reduced cost. So whether homeless people, people with mental issues, you know, people will come hundreds of miles from yeah. small towns throughout the Midwest. And he's this like heroic guy just living in obscurity. He, he still nurses these Hollywood dreams, but he basically at some point decided to go to dental school and do something else that's even more worthwhile. I feel like this is like a, a kind of a trope almost of the magazine end of the show is sort of a, you, you find something and your yen is to think that this person is a fool, you know, or some sort yeah, of, yeah. or is beneath they, you. They might seem ridiculous when you read the notes, but then to actually find the person who wrote it or created this thing um, sometimes reveals a very incredible story of its own. There was one, another episode where these two guys in New York City, they've been dating for a couple of years, these two guys, kind of, um, you know, like casually, and then one of them's on the way to meet, meet the other guy for dinner on the subway, and he sees a baby laying underneath a bench in the subway station. So he's like, oh my God. Grabs this baby, meets his friend for dinner, like now he's got a baby, and they like, you know, call the police, Turn the baby in at a, at a hearing that the police asked him to go to a few weeks later just to testify about what happened. The judge all of a sudden says, why don't you adopt the baby? And he says, Whoa. yeah. And the boyfriend's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> now now they, they are married, those two guys. That same judge that wow. gave them the baby, that... that that had the idea of them adopting the baby um, was the one to marry them. Oh the boy's like 17. Anyway, we did a whole interview with these guys. Wow. It's really a moving and affecting story. Uh, yeah, of course. But, but, um, but just like any of these things, when you find an, a note, um, it's the tip of the iceberg. And to hear the real story is really fascinating. Wow. Sure. I want to talk to that judge, though, where it's kind of like you're kind of putting that guy on the spot. It's yeah, like, I what know. are you going to do now? It's like, nah, I don't want the baby. I don't, nah. yeah. We just uh, want to go back to dinner. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we might get a cat. Uh, so, so how do you turn... So, you have a, so he's a... Maybe you have a musical... 
version of this coming out in Philadelphia in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, so... How, how does this turn into a musical? Well, you know, these found stories are fascinating. They're all real stories, so these great playwrights and storytellers created a musical. It was at Off-Broadway at the Atlantic Theater, which is like William H. Macy and David Mamet's theater yeah. company in New mm-hmm. York. Um, last year, now it's at Philadelphia. They, they, they hope to bring it to Broadway, and mm-hmm. I hope it'll happen. They have this incredible cast, this woman left Hamilton to be in the found play, which is, I Whoa, thought, that's insane a story. <laughs> in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. But I guess this is yeah, what I've right. learned about how theater works, is that it's a big deal to originate a role on Broadway. So if you go from a smaller part in Hamilton you know, to a starring role in found in Philadelphia, and then it goes to Broadway, mm. then it's a good mm. career move. I'm like, what are you, like, Hamilton, maybe you should think, double, you know, think twice about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Is but, there a song, like a theme song, like, found? Um, like, what's, what's there, there, are, there, are some, there are some theme songs. You, uh, the, the, my favorite song says, the theme is, I just want to do something that I love and do it with people that I love. Sounds right. maybe a little cheesy, but, oh, like, yeah. that's, like, any of ours, like, feeling, I think. I mean, why do we do, why do, why is anybody that's here at this podcast festival, sure. like, why do we make podcasts? Why do we do the creative work that we do? We want to do stuff that we love and do it with people that we love. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful play. It's a beautiful podcast. Everyone yes, should check you. it out. Thanks. Davey Thanks so thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Davey. Want to do something that I love And do it with people that I love That's all I want to do Davey Rothbart, exclamation point. He is the creator and editor of the magazine Found. Mm. Uh, it's also a podcast from the network Wondery. And lucky folks in Philadelphia, which is redundant because you live in Philadelphia, you're lucky. That comes from a Philadelphia. Uh, you can see Found, the musical. It's on stage now at the Philadelphia Theater Company through December 11th. Indeed, and you can get tickets for that at philadelphiatheatercompany.org. That is philadelphiatheater with an R-E company.org. And we're going to take the briefest of breaks, and then you're going to hear Annabelle Gerwich and all our guests take a crack at our audience's etiquette questions as this special live edition of the Dinner Party Download continues. Welcome back to this special edition of the Dinner Party Download, taped at the Now Hear This Festival in Anaheim, California. We invited Mickey Mouse. He did not show up. Dude, he was never going to come. Come on. We tried to tell you. But I love him. (laughs) So you're about to hear way too many people pile onto our stage to answer our live audience's etiquette questions. But first, let's meet our final guest of the evening, Annabelle Gerwich. Yes, you may know her from her appearances on TV shows like Seinfeld and Dexter, or as host of the TBS series Dinner and a Movie. Mm -hmm. She's also written a couple of books, including the New York Times bestseller, I See You Made an Effort, Compliments, Indignities, and Survival Stories from the Edge of 50. Which is a pretty good title, but she's full of them, apparently. Her next book is what she describes as a self-hurt memoir, and Mm. it's called Wherever You Go, There They Are, Stories About My Family You Might Relate To. It is available for pre-order on Amazon right now. We first asked about one of the more eye-catching stories in the book, and Rico cut right to the chase. Here's the question. Tell us about the UFO cult. Well, you know, if you're going to go cult, you better go big. Yeah. Right. And there is nothing bigger than a UFO cult. No. Um, I was part of this psychic group. Um, <laughs> see? Self-hurt memoir. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was told that I was uh, a reincarnation of an Egyptian princess okay. in okay. the 18th dynasty. And it was our destiny to leave the planet and go back to the home planet. Did I mention that I was a big fan of Star Trek? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
they, so they he just tell. sort of played into that, you know, that whole idea. Sure. Um, and is this in Hollywood? This was no. Mm, this was what? in New York in the 1980s. Mm. It's like the same thing. It's same thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> the thing is. Um, the ships never came. I don't have to tell you that, though, because we would all know, right? And I would be on Delta Epsilon, the name of the planet, although it's really disappointing to me still that I didn't get to go because it really sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. It could still happen. Don't give up on your dreams. And I wouldn't have had to worry about, like, you know, health insurance, like long-term mm. health, because, well, like, how do you another know? planet. Mm. Well, that planet could have worse health insurance issues. You know, I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah I think there's a lot you didn't but, think but about. But here's the thing that's really troubling to me, is that, so we were told that, you know, being this reincarnation of this princess and this whole thing was, we were told it was reciprocal. So that means that there would be an Egyptian princess who had to think about being me <laughs> in another lifetime. What? This mid-level scribe <laughs> in one room. She has no serving staff. She must dress herself and make oh. her own meals. Caramel. How do I get out of this karma? Just, I feel really bad for that princess. So, In the book, you also discuss your southern yes. Jewish roots. Yes. What, is, yes. what is that about? It's like... Well, so that is actually what really started the whole book was that when um, Hurricane Katrina happened, I was calling my dad. I was born in Alabama, but we left when I was really little. And um, I called him to say, who's left in Alabama? Are they okay? And Because uh, we were really estranged from our southern family. And he said, oh, everyone's okay, but, you know, your land is taking a beating. And I was like, land? <laughs> what? What? I have land. I own something. I lease my car. I don't do. I own, you know. And so, it, what I found out from that phone call was that my grandmother had bought this land on this little island called Dauphin Island, oh, yeah. which is right near Mobile in the Gulf of Mexico. And that when she died, it became mine and a bunch of cousins that we own this piece of land. And you learned about it as it was being destroyed. As it's being. De- <laughs> this is great. Self-hurt <laughs> memoir. That's all. It's only bad. So it got me really interested. Like, what? What? What were we even doing in the South? And it, and so I went on this like ten-year journey to find out about my family's history. And I didn't know these things. I didn't know we came to this country as fur trappers on the Mississippi. I didn't know Jews Whoa. did that. <laughs> I knew we bought fur coats. I didn't know we skinned the animals. Yeah. And so that I went. Actually, I went down to visit my. My island, as I like to call it. And it was only bad. It turns out that Dauphin Island was originally called Massacre Island. I mean, so uh, it was, it was all these uh, stories became this book. I had hope for, the, for you and the Egyptian princess switching when you had Would land it? and fur trapping. That sounds glamorous. I can see a young princess dreaming of that, no. but not this. No, and I can't, well, although, no, I can't imagine she would have liked that land either. It's like got alligators and mosquitoes, and it was like tip yeah. season. Just There's everything bad. <laughs> well, listen, somebody who writes a self-hurt memoir obviously is perfectly qualified to tell our audience how to behave. Yes. So we ready? have I'm ready. etiquette questions here yes. that folks have submitted. And Jackson, our fearless senior producer, is going oh. to go out among you and force And also, are you. we going to ask the other folks to come help? Oh, yeah. The oh, that's so right. Can Demi and Gustavo and Davey, anyone who's still here, come on yes. up. We have chairs Oh, no, there's Davey. There. So take the mic. Maybe not the mic stand, or unless you want to sing. 
This looks like the greatest okay. episode of the Brady Bunch <laughs> oh, ever. Right. There we go. Right now. Here's a mic. I like this. It's like we'll a you. California, baby. It's a class picture. All right, so, here, so our first question comes from Malika Middlebrooks. And while, while we're finding Malika, her favorite podcast is The Moth. Thanks, Malika. <laughs> yeah. Wrong answer. That was a gimme. No, no, it says favorite you... podcast other than ours. Okay. So it's so The Moth. So your question is, is it appropriate to floss your teeth in a public bathroom? <laughs> oh, okay, that's a... That, I'd like to start out with this. So um, I got into a kind of a big, uh, like, a thing with, um, with Larry David from the Sotka, yes, from being Larry creators. David, about uh, flossing at one point, because we had a big argument about what was the worst thing you could floss your teeth with in public. Uh, was it like a leaf stem or the back of your earring? Um, That's painful. Whoa. Let me just tell you. Have you done that? I've done it all. <laughs> don't do that. It's not even right to floss. People in L.A., I don't know if you've ever seen this, people floss in cars. Yeah, that's true. We can see you. No, I, I think one must floss in, in private. I don't really? think in a public bathroom unless you're in the stall. I just think there are some things like flossing, marriage... <laughs> They're better left in prior. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Any other opinions? Demi? I kind of feel like most things go in a public bathroom. Yeah, come on. Because it's, well, in, in terms of like, ba- like bathroom things, because I feel like even <laughs> brushing your teeth, who's going to like, who are you embarrassing besides yeah. yourself? You're no one's going to be like, I know who you are, and this is. Gross. I'm going to come clean here. I've changed in a public bathroom into a new pair of clothes, Same. you know? Like, That's if different than flossing. Has, flossing, there's blood and there's, like, The problem with flossing is that while you're doing it, little remnants could be flicking items yeah. onto no. the Do it over glass in front of you or into other people. No. Do it over well, I don't think it's okay. This is like uh, in, in New York, it's like when people clip their nails in the subway. Oh, that's, no, that's yeah, gross. Not acceptable. Subway is yeah. not a bad But can you imagine though. being next to that person? You're washing your hand, like you're on a date and you're washing and then someone's like... <laughs> and there's blood. You know that sound? You know that clicky sound? That's, that's You'll upsetting. never get that out of your head. But there are a lot of sounds that are not nice that happen in the bathroom. <laughs> I, think we, I guess we have to be specific about what type of flossing then because you guys are saying like blood and things flying out. <laughs> yeah, I'm maybe. Thinking, I'm oh, half English. So. It's, I, I went to dinner and I have food in my teeth. I just want to get it out of there. Well, there's yeah. toothpicks. Toothpick culture right, is okay. Like a toothpick is a proper... A guy or a woman, anyone with a toothpick who walks around with a toothpick in their mouth, just no. No. <laughs> no, that's, right, that's no too. All so right. you're just going to have to keep that stuff in your teeth. Any, does Malika, do you have any, what are your thoughts? On... I, I think you appropriately answered it. No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think no, we Malika, settled we have a debate. few more things to say about this. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you. There you go, Malika. No, nice no job. Pausing. <laughs> Can I do this one? Yes, I'll read one. This one is written in thick pen. I will try to get the name right. Michael Cruz Heron? Still here? Yeah. Oh, there he is. I hope I didn't butcher your name, sir. And Michael asks, what should I do if my friend asks for a job referral, but I don't think they're qualified for the job? Oh, oh snap. Yeah. Gustavo, yeah. do you want to start us off? Yeah. You're the I big this, man at the I get OC this Weekly. all the time with former interns, former freelancers. Hey, can you hook me up with LA Times? Hey, can you hook me up with ESPN? Hey, can you hook me up with this, this, and that? I, I, I'll make the connection because if you think they're not qualified for it, then they probably aren't, and they're going to fail miserably. 
So let them find that out on your own, and you still like, hey, you know, I put in a good word for you, and so you come off still being a good friend. So you do it anyway. Yeah, you do it anyways. Yeah. But you do recommend them? Mm. Well, well I, no, I, I would not recommend them. I would just say, I'll pass along your resume to yeah. whoever you're yeah. applying to. That's all I could do. I, like, so, so I have an approach to this. Um, I look at it in a certain way like motherhood. So I, I have a teenage son. And um, he wants to be an indie music star. Um, and oh, he God. says to me, um, Mom, do you think I can do this? And I say, the world will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I do pass people along. And I do, because sometimes, like, I'm really wrong about these things. Mm. And I've had people that, I've, that I was like, oh, never going to happen. I've had something great work out because it just turned out they didn't like working with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they just didn't like me. You know? So you and should help so, them a little bit just in case so, there you become your boss at some point, basically. Exactly. Always be nice. And then the world will let me know. So, so Michael, uh, what are your thoughts? What's, do you, are you not recommending someone for something right now? So I, I'll probably just send the email to be very, very vague. Okay, yeah, good. Vague email. Yeah. That's yes. the, yeah. Oh, vague, vague mailing. Is always good. All That's right. the recommendation. Thank, Thank you, Michael. Hope we answered your question, Michael. Um, the next, uh, Michelle Aragon. Are you here, Michelle? Yes. Michelle's right, right down here front. Jackson. And favorite podcast, WTF and Sporkful. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It said beside you guys. Uh, oh, <laughs> not you, not you. Hey, you floss in public. I saw He you. does. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Michelle's question is, how do you stop hanging out with someone who flosses in public? No. Uh, Michelle's question is, when hosting a dinner and a guest insists on bringing their signature dish, which in no way fits into your menu, how do you deal with that? Okay, that's funny you mentioned that because one of the stories in my new book starts with someone bringing something unexpected to a dinner party. I would say, you know, that I would be very suspect of that person. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying don't eat the food, but just think about how much does that person like you? We don't listen wow. to you. Let, let me just yeah. bring a different I'm perspective. Just saying. Let, let me just Please. say, like, what, what if some people pride themselves on one dish that they're, just like some people have their karaoke song that they can rock the hell out of, you know? Yeah. Some people might have that one dish that they're very proud and excited to share with people. So I would say, like, yes, it may not fit with the theme of a dinner party, but, like, is there great harm? Is there grave harm? Yes. In, in maybe bending it to incorporate them in some way. Yeah. We, You're I mean, right. I suck. That's what I was getting around to. Maybe there's some way. You got to plug your book. We're going to briefly plug ours coming out next year from Little Brown. Yeah. One, yeah. one of the things that we have said is that uh, the least important thing at a dinner party is the food. It's really not about the food. So it, if you can, if you can make it work, I would say that you should. However, mm. and now we're also going to drop a name just to drop that on yeah. top of the plug. Uh, Jackie Collins, the late Dear and Departed, was on our show. And she actually said what you do is you take it and you say, oh, thank you. This I'm is gonna wonderful. I'm going to enjoy this tomorrow. Thank yes. you so much for helping me with lunch tomorrow. Huh. <laughs> and you put it aside and forget about it. That's yes. shady. Completely. That's not shady. <laughs> it's totally shade. Saying no. I'm going to enjoy this tomorrow is ultimate shade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this for tonight's dinner. I can't wait to eat it tomorrow. Exactly. No, no, you're just like... But you know what the ultimate faux pas is? And I did this once, and my husband was like, you're the worst. If you bring food to a dinner party and everyone doesn't eat it all, and you take it back and bring it home with you. Oh, yeah. 
Because you cannot you, do that. You think that. that's okay? Why not? If you're over 25, that's a good, that's a good college <laughs> move. If it's good food. Dude, no one ate the pizza. If, 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 if it's a bunch of tacos or pizza, yeah. I truly was like, what's wrong? And then you're like, it's over 25. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, Michelle, right. it sounds like, did you have this experience? What did you do? Uh, yeah, that's very helpful. The message I'm taking is I shouldn't be a snob. Well, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's... because it's not about my menu. I have a tapas menu, and she brings chocolate pizza. We have you other problems. You didn't tell us that part of the story. <laughs> yes. Chocolate pizza? What's wrong Yeah, forget with everything you? I said. <laughs> Never mind. No. Say, then you ask another friend to bring weed. Yeah. <laughs> and you're done. You should say, thank you for bringing this tonight. I'm going to eat it's this good. when I turn into a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's for under 25. Um, <laughs> all right, Michelle, did we answer your thank question? You. Yes, you did. Thank that's you. More than all enough. Right. I'm gonna, thank you, Michelle. Here, you asked this question. I'm going to get Demi a chair because we're being rude hosts. I kind of so like you, this. Okay. I feel like I'm a rude neighbor and like a family matter is like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're cool. Like, if you're into it. All right. Here's something from, this is Rick. Is Rick still here? Is Rick still here? And if not, Rick, whose favorite podcast is Jordan Jesse Go. Oh, oh there he is back there. All so, right, Rick. Here you go. What is the most polite way to leave a podcast recording at a festival? <laughs> Perfect. You a-hole. <laughs> Don't call attention to it, I would say. No, you did the right thing. You didn't leave it all. No, you're a good man. That's the right thing to do. And thank you for all sticking around. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. <laughs> this concludes the Dinner Party Download Live at the Now Hear This Festival. Yes, we mean it. You too, dear listener out there in the world with us in your ears. Thanks yes. for listening all the way to the end, you podcasters. Big thanks to all of our special guests and to all the organizers of the festival, including Chris Bannon and Chris Hartnett. Ditto to our DPD team. That'd be senior producer Jackson Musker and digital producer Christina Lopez, who made an amazing video that, alas, you all couldn't see. Sorry for you. Yes, your ears are sadly restricted little organs. Cat just said another live event. Maybe you can see that video also. Also, thanks to assistant producer Christian Coons, our intern Kathleen McGovern, and to our engineers Jake Gorski and Ben Tolliday. Go forth, listen to podcasts with, what did you call them? Your restricted little organs? Yeah. Jeez. Your organs. Oh, bon appetit. <laughs>